0: It's great to see you. My name's Neil. I'm married to Kate, and together we lead this church, South Southwest London Vineyard. Um, three words for you this morning. We going to get through this at breakneck speed. Uh, three words for you this morning generosity, compassion, and justice. Generosity, compassion, and justice. Once upon a time, there was, um, there was a village, and it sat on the bend of this uh, wide river. It was a, a warm and pleasant uh, summer. Afternoon, the whole village had gathered together and they were all out having a picnic on the riverbank. They were there playing games, just really enjoying the summer and one another's company. And all of a sudden, one of them noticed what looked like a body floating face down in the river. And obviously the, the people, of the villagers, were all shocked and panicked. And a few of them jumped in, grabbed hold of this chap, and, and he was, he was uh, still alive, barely. And they dragged him to the shore. Uh, But no sooner had they pulled him out, uh, than they spotted another body. And then another. Uh, And the the, the people were all okay. They were in pretty bad um, shape. And the paramedics came and patched them up. And and they were whisked off and looked after in hospital for a couple of days. But, But overall, they were okay. But the next day, exactly the same thing happened. Three or four bodies just suddenly appeared in this river. And it kept happening like this every day. Another three, sometimes four, sometimes five broken bodies just appearing in the river and floating downstream. And, and the whole community, you can imagine, they were distraught. Uh, it was disturbing to say the least. And, and so they gathered together and, and they tried to work out what they could do about it. And they were amazing. They're a great community. They, they set up rescue teams. They, um, they raised money to buy boats and equipment, they were all incredibly generous, so they gave their, their time, uh, they gave their money, they also gave their time, uh, almost all of them volunteered to be part of and, and on the rescue teams so that there were always people watching and patrolling uh, the river and, uh, so that they were ready to sound the alarm if any more bodies came floating by. So they were, they were generous, but they were also compassionate And this went on for like a few months until a couple of um, entrepreneurial intrepid adventurers from the village decided that they didn't just want to keep trying to tackle the problem by rescuing these poor people from the ravages of the river. They wanted to find out how and why they were ending up in the river in the first place. And so they donned their backpacks and laced up their hiking boots and headed upstream to see if they could find out what the source of the problem was. They decided that they needed to deal with things um, at the root and see if they could set things right so that no more bodies would uh, end up in the river floating downstream. Theirs uh, was a mission not uh, of generosity, not so much of compassion. Theirs was more a mission of justice. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who uh, died at the end of last year, I think, I put it much more succinctly, he said, there comes a point where we need to just, we need to stop just pulling people out of the river, we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in, in the first place. Okay, so another three words for you this morning, um, perspective, position, and privilege. Perspective, position, and privilege. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, Tuesday is Shrove Tuesday, Pancake Day, uh, and the only way to eat pancakes is with lemon and sugar, um, bananas and chocolate, what, and sprinkles and sparkles, I have no idea. Um, Pancake Day is on Tuesday, Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and Lent is um, traditionally the, the 40 days from Ash Wednesday all the way through to Maundy, Uh, Thursday uh, just before Easter where Jesus uh, was led into the wilderness by the Spirit and fasted uh, for 40 days at the beginning of his public ministry. Um, Lent, which starts kind of properly, the first Sunday of Lent is next week obviously, but um, Lent is also a kind of journey. In the same way that Advent is a journey towards the first coming of Christ and indeed uh, his return. So Lent is a journey that we all go on towards Easter. It's a journey towards the cross. It's a journey towards uh, the hope of the resurrection that comes the other side of the cross. And so over the next uh, few Sundays uh, through Lent, uh, we on Sunday mornings as a church will be journeying together through Lent and towards Easter, towards the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But for now, If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 um, says this in verse 1. As a prisoner, this is Paul writing, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is one of all and through all. So uh, this year, as we journey through this reflective season um, that is Lent. We're effectively continuing the theme that we've been uh, looking at and will continue to look at, which is uh, justice. We're gonna be doing a series of reflections on justice. And, and the answer to the question of, you know, what does justice look like? What is just, what is fair, what is right? Um, that's actually not quite as straightforward as one might imagine and would that it were. And the reason I say that is because, while justice, at least I hope and I assume, justice is a common goal, how we as human beings, even how we as Christians and followers of Jesus define justice, isn't necessarily something that we all share. Sometimes, these things, uh, uh, our perspectives on justice can be just that. They can be and feel like a matter of perspective. And so um, different visions and hopes and dreams of what justice should or might look like or or what are the acceptable ways of pursuing justice or even demonstrating justice with the best will and intention in the world. Those differing visions and views can and... and and sadly all too often do, collide and clash. And sometimes, and this will come as a great shock to you, but sometimes that even happens in the church. And when I say that, what I mean is, especially it happens in the church for some reason. And in the church, for some reason, these differences um, can cause arguments and disagreements and factions and divisions and splits and, trust me, all kinds of other crazy behaviors that you would think would have no place amongst the people of God. And uh, in the healthier interactions where these questions and challenges around what justice or whatever it may be should look like, uh, what happens in the healthier instances of that and interactions is that individuals or groups uh, that maybe up until that point had never even realized that the other held such polarized and differing views, uh, maybe because they just never felt brave enough to talk about it. They now, in the healthier incarnations of this, they now have to do the hard work of having the difficult and honest conversations as they work together towards understanding and empathy and reconciliation. And why do I say all of that? Well, as we set off on our Lenten journey um, together, looking at these different passages of justice from the scriptures, and as we continue to look at the themes of justice over the coming months, which we've already been doing for a a few months now already, um, I'm very mindful of the fact that this is not straightforward. It, It feels like this should be a stroll in the park. You'd think that it would be a stroll in the park. However, it isn't. And it isn't going to be straightforward. Um, While there may well be subjects and areas of injustice that, broadly speaking, we all agree on, I'm very conscious that there are others where we may fundamentally disagree. There may be things over which we hold an entirely different perspective to others. And those others may be sitting right next to us, or in front of us, or behind us. And so whether we're tackling issues of injustice around climate change, or the environment, or immigration, refugees, asylum seekers, uh, gender and the role of women, especially the role of women in the church, or race, and again the inequality of racial diversity in the life of the church, or identity and sexuality and sexual orientation, and on and on and on on these issues and many, many others, there may be some very different and very diverse and strongly held perspectives by many of us in this room. And uh, we would all, at least I hope, I assume, um, we would all call ourselves good and godly followers of Jesus, and yet the reality is that we may very well hold very uh, different, views, very differing and opposing views on any or all of those things um, and and, and specifically on what justice will look like. So I suppose, um, what am I saying, I'm trying to prepare the ground as it were uh, to encourage the unity of the spirit that comes through the bond of peace and ask us as we embark on our Lenten adventure to recognize our perspective. And then to align our perspective with our position in Christ. That's our second P, position. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. Here's here's Paul writing from his uh, prison cell. And he's calling for and encouraging unity in the church. Um, Verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient In this first part of the chapter, uh, Paul begins this new section in in which he's urging his readers to live according to the calling uh, that they've received as believers and as followers of Christ Jesus. And in verse 2, he outlines four very specific applications as to how our Christian faith should translate into Christian practice because of our position in Christ Jesus. And those traits are humility, gentleness, patience. And love, no surprises there. And, and these are encouraged as ways that we as followers of Jesus, as disciples, um, live worthy of the calling that we have been given by God. And then in verse 3, he writes this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And it, it's like there's this additional characteristic unity, but it's not only unity, it's make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, make every effort, Um, this is one of those verses that I really wish wasn't in the Bible, if I'm entirely honest, Uh, time and time and time again, and when I say that, what I mean is at least several times a week, if not multiple times a week. A day, uh, usually around um, my interactions with other people, uh, some of them are in this room, possibly uh, or or this may come as a shock to you um, where I think i 'm right i mean it doesn 't happen very often, but um, occasionally i think i 'm right, and i 've dug in my heels and set myself in a position uh, in those. Very, very, very rare occasions where something like that will happen, uh, hourly. Um, The Spirit of God will, very gently and very kindly, but absolutely firmly, whisper, have you made every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace? And I'm like, what do you mean? like? What does make, what's every effort? Like, what do you mean? Like, could you be more specific when you say every effort? Like, what does, what does every mean? An effort, what, is a, what exactly is effort? I think I've done as much as I can. You know, what more can I do? Uh, I'll often say it, it's not on me. I mean, I absolve myself of all my sinfulness very, very easily. Um, uh, and uh, it's not on me, it's on them, is one of my fantastically favorite lines. Um... And then, depending on how much I've hardened my heart, um, eventually at some point I'll be like, okay, okay, I could probably do more uh, reluctantly through gritted teeth. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Christ is our peace. He made peace. He preached peace. He, in peace incarnate. He, he gives unity in peace. He, he offers and extends to us a gospel of peace. Peace is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's essential, fundamental for every single believer. And, and here Paul's even calling peace a bond. You know, which is interesting. You think he's in prison and he's literally in bonds, in chains. And it's almost that he's saying that peace is like that strength of a chain that holds us together. And he repeats it, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So let's recognize um, our perspectives um, as we look at some of these issues and and many, many others beside. Um, Some of which we may need to adjust because it's quite possible that some of our perspectives may be wrong but let's recognize our perspectives and then ensure that they are aligned and in position with Jesus and our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. And let's make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And then the third thing is let's recognize our privilege. Uh, it, in the, it, it just take the last two years um, as we uh, uh, battle with COVID as, a, as, a, as an example. All kinds of questions around justice would have been raised and have been raised over the last two years. You know, Why have some people um, died while others have lived? Uh, why are there such discrepancies in access to health care provision or to vaccines or even to oxygen um, in various parts of the country and, and certainly in other various parts of the world? Um, is it just to impose lockdowns and restrict freedom? You know, we've had people leave the church over some of the decisions that we made to follow what was government guidance and socially distance and wear masks and those sorts of things. People left the church over it because they thought it was an injustice and it was um, against their freedoms. Um, Who should go to work? Who shouldn't go to work? Uh, Who should get furloughed? Who shouldn't get furlough? Should we all have to wear masks? Um, case in point: Is it okay to break the rules, etc., etc., etc.? And yet, um, our ability—I think this is fair to say—I think our ability to withstand the assault of this virus, that has been no respecter of position, power, or privilege, has just attacked everybody indiscriminately. Our ability to withstand that attack and that assault has been significantly impacted by things like where we live um, or our socioeconomic status or our educational background. Essentially, our privilege. And one of the things that we've seen um, firsthand over these past two years has been the way in which COVID has, and our experience over the last two years, has, has magnified existing social inequality. And all of those things, some of those things, and many of those things, pre-existed, COVID. They've just been um, highlighted over the last two years to us. And they've now become deep injustices. Um, and in the process, for many, but not, not for all, certainly, but for many of us, it's exposed our privilege. Um, it's nearly two years ago, I mean, that the first lockdown uh, started, and if you can cast your mind back for that far away, um, one of the first responses we did as a church was the viral kindness whereby we were in touch particularly with people here on the Ashburton Estate and saying, look, you know, if there's anything we can do, we'll go out and do your shopping for you, get your medication for you, um, whatever. And um, particularly the staff team spent a lot of time in those first early days of lockdown because we were effectively key workers in that sense because of... uh, religious affiliations and ministry of religion type things. Um, so we were allowed out and about. And um, I remember going around the flats and knocking on people's doors. The palpable sense of fear was, was, was I mean, it was tangible. People were very, very afraid. Um, but I also remember being shocked, and I don't know why I was shocked, but shocked by the, the levels of poverty and need that exist right on our doorstep. Um, at one time, and I think I've told you this story before, one time Kate and I went and we went to visit an 86-year-old woman who, her son was normally her carer, but he'd had a hypoglycemic attack, and so he had ended up in A&E. And she was on her own, and she'd been on her own for three days um, when the health worker got in touch with us and said, could we help out? And we went to see her, and she hadn't eaten for three days. Um, and she was this absolutely wonderful sparrow of a woman. Um, pretty much skin and bone. And, um, and we, we, um, we were more than happy to help her out and we went shopping for her and um, we went and got some food. Not only did we get her food, we got her Marks and Spencers food. And we took it to her little flat just on the estate and it was great food. It was amazing food. Um, the trouble was the majority of it she couldn't actually get into because her hands were so frail and she couldn't actually cope and deal with much of the packaging. Um, And then she couldn't store it because she didn't actually have a freezer compartment in her pretty broken and pretty decrepit fridge. And then she didn't actually have really anywhere to cook it. And so we had all this wonderful food that you and I would be delighted to receive. And just a few yards from here, there's an 86-year-old woman who's been there for years, just normally being cared for by her son, we didn't know how to reach out to and minister to and care for. That existed pre-COVID. It just COVID highlighted some of that some of that need. And you know, it's through some of these deep injustices, I think, that have always been there, but perhaps we've seen more starkly over the last two years that has caused us to consider that yes, maybe we've been doing okay with our generosity and our compassion but what of these issues of justice? We may have done well uh, at fishing people out of the river, but why are there so many people in the river in the first place? This, I think, is what we're wanting to tackle, not because it's on trend, uh, not because it's culturally current and expedient, but because we think that this is at the very heart and at the thread of the scriptures um, and is at the heart of our faith as followers of Jesus. And um, as we journey through the scriptures, we come across justice and injustice all the time. And so as we journey through Lent, we want to journey through the scriptures and pick out those threads and those strands of justice that form the narrative arc of the scriptures. And so over the next few weeks, Uh, We'll work to look at um, several of those themes uh, running through scriptures. We'll attempt to tackle justice in the creation accounts from Genesis. We'll attempt to look at justice as freedom from Exodus. Uh, We'll look at justice as community from uh, some of those those weird Old Testament laws and things like Sabbath and sabbatical and Jubilee that actually turns out that they're not that weird after all. Um, Justice as incarnational as we look at the Gospels and the life Um, of Jesus, justice as reshaping power uh, as we look at the shape of the cross and justice in the light of the resurrection. Um, And this is following uh, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury's commissioned um, one of his right hand women to uh, write a book and produce a series of resources for Lent. So effectively we're joining with the. Uh, our brothers and sisters from the Church of England as we reflect on some of these issues um, through things like the book that I think is called Embracing Justice and some others. And and hopefully all of these um, together will kind of help us weave together a textured tapestry, if you like, of how God longs to work with humanity to bring justice, wholeness, and salvation to individuals, communities, and the world and um, just to end with you may have seen this before we can't remember because it's been so long since we've like been together you've probably seen this before but I just think it bears watching again Um, this is a little video that's been put together by our friends at the Bible Project uh, on the subject of justice it's about four or five minutes Uh, just have a look at this and then we'll minister to one another